If there's an area in your life where you want to grow, it can be difficult to know just how to make progress. In this episode, we discuss how to get started by formulating clear strategies and specific steps. That is, by applying the virtue of prudence to the question of growth. I'm Sharif Yunus with Dr. Kevin Majors, and this is The Golden Hour. Personal growth plays a central role in OptumWorks' approach. Our online masterclass will give you this complete approach, our entire theory, method, and measure of growth. In this four-week masterclass available on OptumWorks.com, Dr. Majors will guide you through all the key ideas of OptumWork with exercises provided to help you master them. Now let's get started. Hey, this is Sharif here with another episode of The Golden Hour, joined by Dr. Kevin Majors. Kevin, good to be here with you again. Hey, Sharif. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's great to be here. So, Kevin, uh, one thing that I've been thinking about is kind of the relationship between work and personal growth. And I think we often see work. One thing we we try to help people see at OptumWork is the relationship between the two and that work is a means of of growing. Um, but sometimes it can happen that work can, it just makes us busy and crowds us out. So it's the question that I have for you is, is a little bit like, how do we keep our personal growth at the forefront of things? And how do we make that the the central you know focus in our lives if does that make sense yeah i i think that's a that's a great question and in some sense we have to be really experts at working our growth and that's the personal expertise that each of us needs to be developing in life so that we are good at getting ourselves to grow and that's, I think, really, when we talk about things like self-mastery, you know, that, that means our ability to attain mastery in various aspects within ourselves. So each of us has a certain amount of, you know, you could say our past or our you know, baggage that is both biological and experiential, you know, that we carry with us in a sense. And I think that... We really would need a kind of to be enthused with the prospect of shaping ourselves, of turning that growth into real work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So there's this idea then that we need to get better at growing, but that seems to be like a kind of vicious circle, if you like. Okay. How do I get started? Um, So, so how would you recommend? I mean, suppose I have some personal goal of mine, like I want to become more patient. I've noticed that I often have outbursts. And so I think it's it's easy for me to go a whole day without even thinking about that a single time, even though maybe if I reflect on it a little bit, I would have this sense, okay, yeah, I want to grow in patience. But then how does that manifest itself in my day? How do I how do I, how do I make that a reality? Yeah. So I would ask you then, how long do you think it would take you to grow in patience? Mm-hmm. If you, whenever we're starting some kind of you know project yeah. at work, don't you, you think about how long will it take? Yeah, duration. But it's interesting. Uh, to, yeah, what's the duration? Do you think for that? I guess it's a lifelong task, right? I'll never be perfectly patient. I think uh, that would be a problem because that that essentially <laughs> oh, I think okay. would mean that we're 
if we think that, okay, now this is tricky because yes, you can always grow more patient. It's an ideal and so it can never be exhausted, but yet it still guides our activity day by day. But that's maybe a little different than asking, like, what would it take for me to make some major strides in being patient? And that's a fascinating question to ask ourselves. How long would it take? How many hours of what kind of practice would you need for patience to become now a deeply possessed quality? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the intensity of the learning experience. So if you could endure some much greater discomfort or inconvenience or something and yet maintain an inner cheerfulness about it and towards it, that would be even more quickly shaping in patience. So now that doesn't mean that you can in advance say, okay, it's probably going to take me seven hours of this quantum of agony to actually get to patience. But at least it makes it in your mind something a little more real than it's going to be a lifelong struggle. That's what I just, does that sound right? Yes. Okay. So the first step is to kind of narrow down the scope of what I want to work on is to think. It did. I mean, so do I have to think of what, what exactly are, is the progress that I want to make? Like I, I want to be able to handle such and such a situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the way I'd look at it more is how would you turn patience into a project? Okay. Okay. That's your goal. Your goal is to become a more patient person. So that means then that you want to have strategies you could use. And then those strategies would give you different steps you could take. Those steps need to be really concrete. Steps are what typically have some kind of time associated with them. So, so one way of growing in patience is by the strategy could be learning to more deeply appreciate it. Okay. And that could be, I'm going to spend 10 minutes looking for a good book that would, that would somehow bear on this topic, but only 10 minutes because <clears throat> I can. Book searches can go on forever. But I'm going to spend 10 minutes looking for a book or I'm going to spend you know, 15 minutes brainstorming my memories of people being patient with me and to say, okay, what was it that really I liked most about their patience? So, or I'm going to free write about this for a certain amount of time you know, on ways that perhaps I could now be patient. Uh, free writing is a nice way of getting past your internal sensors. So you just try to type as fast as you can without slowing down or stopping or correcting, you know, and you get things out. And it kind of it's it can be very powerful to unlocking, uh, you know, new ways of growing. That's what I'm talking about. I would say I would want you to populate, you know, your mind with some steps that you could take that would be very real. I think that would actually make it a much more doable thing to grow in patience. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And as you were explaining that the notion of the illusion of simultaneity came to mind where if you just have this thought of okay i'm going to grow in patience it makes it all into one big thing so you think okay i have to grow in patience all at the same time or all at once but by uh by breaking it down into steps you see okay no actually there's a way that you know i can grow in in patience in a small amount by doing this particular thing and you can you can break it up into steps and then make progress that way so that I think can can help. That's exactly me. right. Yeah, the illusion of simultaneity is what afflicts us anytime we're about to be, uh, you know, we're, we're feeling overwhelmed. 
or anytime we're procrastinating on something, it can seem like then that all the steps are occurring at the same time. And so it's just, we put it off, but you need to rotate your view of it and see that actually, no, they are discrete steps that you'll go through. And each of those is doable. So that's exactly the same here idea here. Like you just break it apart into smaller things. So then you could be looking at what experiments could I do that I know would test my patients that I'm going. So, um, you know, it's, uh, for me right now, a great test would be trying to call Apple <laughs> to get help with the computer. So I've had some struggles with trying to get the, some things there. And uh, but oh, it's a it's a it's a really predictable and beautiful way of growing in patience. So it does help before calls to be thinking of it in those terms. Okay, this is going to be very helpful for me. You know, and my whole goal is just to stay patient and cheerful when the, you know, I'm on the phone with them. Uh, I mean, Apple's a great company. I'm a huge fan, but it's just that, uh, you know, but when you have to deal with customer service, you just be prepared. It's like calling the bank for some reason, you know, it's like, all, you know, so I think that that's the kind of thing where if you could think of that, like what experiments would I run in advance to grow in this way? But we see a lot. It's fascinating that on our masterclass on day nine, there's this exercise we do called the tranquility of order where we take people to, Think of the bigger problems they're facing right now and then go through this exercise called tr Tranquility of Order. And that exercise is essentially helping them think of prioritizing the problems, choosing the top one, and then break that down into very specific steps that you're going to carry out with time limits assigned. But it often does, I mean, so many times it happened where people will say, oh, I didn't know that this was just for work steps or work challenges. And so they'd put some kind of bigger challenge in life, something equivalent to becoming patient. And they're surprised. But, you know, when I reply to them and say, oh, no, that's exactly the kind of thing that you want to turn, turn your problem into a project. That's exactly what we want. Because then you're going to be specific, real about it. And then, you know, and then you're, you can do brainstorming and things. So I think that's exactly the right idea. Yeah. Yeah. So this idea of, okay, I have this problem. I want to grow in this particular area. So how do I break it down? And yeah, I, I guess, I mean, one issue still is, okay, when do I do that? I guess anyone should have enough time to, if they really are committed to growing in patience, they should have enough time. I should have enough time to sit down for 15 minutes and just turn, take this time to like craft it into a project. Yeah. Because if if patience were a real issue for you, then it would be because whenever the opportunities to grow in that come along, you somehow push past them. Yeah, and and so I think that you know uh, that in my mind is why we don't grow. Somehow we are habitually missing the opportunities to grow that life is giving us. And so it gets tougher and we realize, okay, this is something that gets tougher and tougher. No, but that's actually better and better. So right now then life is going to give you lots of ways of growing in it. You have to think, how do you get yourself ready for those opportunities? But just an exercise of turning it into a project that you have a goal that's pretty clear growing in this, and then you have strategies and steps. 
I say projects here the way we talk about an optimal work, and we have a tool on optimal work called projects that I think is actually a very powerful tool of self-transformation, depending on, on, on how you use it. And then one thing to know that you are making the, the right choice in going about growing in this way. Well, not that, not in this, but like, so say you want to grow in patience. If you were to come up with several strategies for growing in it, I think then you could actually make a decision which strategy is best. But if you don't come up with several strategies, you just can go with whatever first comes to your mind. So one could be growing in appreciation for, for patients. Yeah. Or I don't know, what would another one be? Yeah. Uh, any type of, of problem. Well, I guess you, you could have a more concrete one, like how to find a job. I'm sure you, you deal with, with ones that, uh, you know, in your practice that patients have of people who want to overcome anxiety or people who want to be more focused in their work. Right now, I want to be more focused in my work. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to be more focused in your work, then I would say there are going to be different strategies you could be using to grow more focus in your work. And then that's what you want to come up with multiples of. So you have several strategies now to choose from, you know, and, and then you can, you know, come up with what's the best one. One way that people can kind of guide themselves in this is to think like, uh, in optimal work terms of reframing mindfulness and challenge. Those are going to guide, I think, different types of strategies. So with the patience one, well, growing an appreciation patience would be more of the reframe. That would be that, that is like trying to see the positivity, you know, how positive it is. The other is just thinking of it in terms of how it relates to how mindful you are. And if you were more mindful, would that be a nice intermediate goal to becoming patient? And then you're just going to double down on mindfulness strategies. And then you could think of a number of steps you could do throughout the day that would grow you in mindfulness or then the more of a challenge strategy. So I think that's the way that it's like a nice quick way of coming up with totally different types of strategies because one is more about your attitude, one about your attention, and one about your action. But in the, in the end, those are you can do particular things. When it comes to attitude, that's probably the one that most people aren't used to kind of, I think, brainstorming and reading. We have a tool called the reframer, you know, which lets you consider things from different points of view. That way you can ask yourself, what, what for me is the best strategy to choose? You know, not, my goal is growing in this way. If, if focusing in work, it's the exact same thing. You start to be thinking, oh, well, I, what I'm going to try to do is first just be more observant of what the actual obstacles are and I'm going to write them down. So it's going to be first, I'm just going to work on being more understanding with the real problem. Okay. Then if you want to be more understanding, what would be the steps? So that's a nice thing. You don't, there's not one right way of growing. There's not one right perfect means for any end. But really what you want and to have, to have mastery is you have to have mastery of choosing the right strategies. You know, you know you've mastered something when you have multiple strategies available for you and then you can choose the right one to attain the end. Yeah. So then Kevin, I, I mean, zooming out a little bit. So if someone say has this problem that, that they've turned into a project and they're going to try to work on it through their daily activities or through some specific step that they've identified, uh, 
I guess two kind of bigger picture questions. So one, how would a person identify this area that they need to grow in? And then two, um, do you always just focus on one at a time? Like this week is my week for focus. Or can I say, well, I want to grow in focus and patience. So I'm going to do focus while I'm at work because work naturally lends itself to practicing focus. And then when I get home, then that's when I'm going to practice patience. So I kind of have two of these projects live at a given point in my life. Yeah. So, so I guess that, uh, as far as choosing the right goal, you know, that just has to do with what are the biggest problems right now you're facing. So you have to make us have a way of prioritizing them. I think I would choose the, the highest priority one that you can. So is there something that touches on deeper bonds? Is there, and so you, you kind of go through then, you know, who is most important to you in life? And then how are you building that bond right now? Are there problems in the area of that bond? Well, that's definitely going to be, you know, you know, if, if a person like, if the relationship, you know, or marriage is, let's say it's marriage is falling apart, you know, well, being more ordered, you know, in your work drawers may not be the thing, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. going to be the highest yield. So it might be, um, whereas for someone else that could be a game changer for them, you know, because they're always forgetting things and they're, and it turns out that just having more order would actually be make all the difference. So where's the main pain point in your life? So where is the thing that you'd tend, if you complained, you tend to complain about the most? Uh, or that triggers dread in you, or just triggers your mo the biggest emotions in you. I think emotions are really a wonderful signal of where growth is waiting to happen. You know, so all emotions are like that. You know, and so if if you have any strong emotion, you should be curious about it. You know, in term and with a growth mindset. Okay, well, what what's the thing here? You know, and then you getting that into you know that chief pain you know, into, into focus, there you have like a good goal to work on. And then in terms of how you go about, like, do you, should you have multiple goals? Well, I would say do it one, do it with one of them first. You know, you, but you do get a sense of wind behind your, like, you know, wind in your sails when you're, once you've addressed a major issue in a new concrete constructive way. It just it does, it feels like a whole new kind of lease on life, and so that's that's what I would want people to experience who are listening to this. You know that that you, you it, it's a very new experience to take, even if it's a long standing problem. You know to try to like turn it into practical steps of what you could do to see it in a new way to and so on. Mm -hmm. Yes, and. Okay, then relating this to one thing that I know you've been thinking about a lot lately, which is coaching and mentoring and deal, dealing with other people. So if we have this sense that, okay, I've identified maybe a pain point in my life, or I've identified several pain points in my life or areas where I want to grow or challenges or things I complain about. And then now I take the main one and I turn it into a project. And so I have, you know, obviously the goal kind of comes almost automatically from that. Then I develop a couple different strategies. I pick the best one. I get the concrete steps. Uh, where does another person fit into this? Um, so if, if we wanted to seek someone's advice, would we 
kind of share with, would it be at every step of the process, someone else can be helpful in saying, well, actually, I don't think that's the main pain point you're facing. You know, that maybe if it's someone who lives with us, they can provide particularly good insight. They know us very well, or if it's maybe a more objective outside observer. So I don't know, maybe you can give us some thoughts about how another person might fit into this process. Well, it does remind me that when we're talking about this this idea of like, how do you really have mastery, you know, over the process of making decisions, you know, in the process of choosing how to grow and what's the right way, um, that gets into this, you know, the the ideal of prudence. So prudence is how you choose the best means to the best end. Uh, and I think really what we're talking about here is how to grow in prudence. So prudence is all about, uh, again, the best end is your own personal growth. You know, that's at least one of the best ends you could possibly have. You know, I think because if you're really aiming to grow as much as you can yourself, then you can treat others that way and help them to grow as much as they can. But if you're not trying to do that yourself, it'd be hypocrisy to help others to grow. So, so I, I think that the basis of our ability to do good in the world is our ability to do good in our own life by shaping ourselves. And that prudence really is knowing how to grow. You know, and the main act of prudence, if you go back to you know, the great philosophers, you know, Aristotle, Thomas Aquinas, is actually to have an image in your mind of the beautiful action before you do it. So that's that's actually the that's the essential of part of the act of prudence, um, which is why it's not about making rules and applying them. No, it's about more of an image of beauty, you know. That then you're applying to an action, image of some perfected ability in acting. Uh, all of that is to say then that w- the first act of prudence is to seek advice. Actually, it's to take counsel, and so taking counsel means you know, in your own mind, thinking it through. So trying to do your best to do that. But then, yes, also talking to people who are trustworthy, you know, people whose opinion you could, uh, so that you can make sure that you're making the right decisions. So I think that's really that's really important, you know, that, that people have trusted advisors uh, that they can that they can turn to in this. But with that said, if you don't seem to have one, um, taking counsel can mean, you know, that at least you're taking time to deeply think through the steps at some moment when you're calm, when you know that your reason is, and the main thing you're looking for to make sure this is a good decision and or like a good area to focus on is that you're not seeking self-satisfaction because that's like the doppelganger of prudence is a kind of cunning in getting what you want. And so we don't want self-satisfaction. This is all from Thomas Aquinas his, in the, the Prima Secundae, uh, Secundae Secundae on, on prudence, that it's all, you know, but pursuing your own satisfaction um, is what undermines radically prudence then uses it for bad. And instead, you have to be truly seeking your own growth and the good of others. Okay, yeah. is that... Yeah, that, it sorry, may, that and a lot. actually, no, it, it, okay, it, it was a lot, but... Uh, but I think it was great. So the, okay, quick follow-up, because as you were talking, I started getting the sense of, um, maybe also I was just thinking a little bit about what I want to say next, but was it, this idea of sincerity, 
um, because uh, when you're when you're when you have your list of say your problems or your pain points and you're trying to figure out the best one someone might say okay you need to be sincere about yourself because it's like the example you gave earlier about the person who maybe their marriage is falling apart and they're like you know i really just need to put more order into my desk it's like okay there's a kind of lack of sincerity there potentially (laughs) uh and then at the same time if they go and describe their problems to someone else or their situation it we talk about the mentor needs to have understanding. The coach needs to have understanding so they can help get to, okay, what is the challenge that this person needs to focus on? The flip side of that, I think, is that the, the person being coached or the mentee needs to have sincerity. And so like they need to actually put forth what the truth. Uh, but then you, and then you just hit on another aspect of sincerity to me, which is like, what are you seeking? Are you seeking your own self satisfaction? Are you seeking your own satisfaction or so I, I'm just wondering, can you speak a little bit to the relationship uh, between sincerity and prudence here? Yeah. So I think, that, well, I think you stated it really well just now. That was great for you. So that th- this idea that uh, because self-seeking undermines prudence the most, uh, it is the main thing that you're on the lookout for. That's the main enemy, you could say, of prudence. Is, is, is self-seeking. And the people who end up seeking their own satisfaction in never admit it to themselves, it's so sad because the thing that's truly satisfying in life is growing ourselves and giving ourselves. You know, and, and if you don't, if you aren't able to grow, because again, prudence really is about being able to grow. You know, it's, it's the it's the ideal that orders growth itself, so that now you are growing in the right ways using the right means. So, how sad it is then, like that to undermine all of that because you won't let go of a certain satisfaction. You know, and and that's what insincerity is all about. It's like choosing self satisfaction rather than the higher goods in your life, which is your own growth and your bonds with others. So, yeah, we do, I think that sincerity is a different kind of virtue, uh, uh, but in some ways you need it in order to be prudent. And yet, if you're going to grow in sincerity, you need prudence in order to grow in it. So these things, they all kind of, they, they do, they're interdependent you know, with each other. Yeah, great. Well, that's super helpful. Uh, Kevin, I, we're basically out of time now, so I don't know if you want to, uh, summarize or, or give us some well, final one, thoughts. One last point that I think I was thinking of when we were just talking about other people and how they relate to this. My biggest caution also would be don't turn other people into projects. So I think that we should only be strategizing our own actions because that's all we can control. So if you're making a project out of a way of growing, you know, okay, my goal is to grow in this. The strategy can has to be something you have control over because the steps are the things you're going to do and that you're going to follow through. Well, that means is that other people cannot be your projects. And so a lot of times people, I think, get frustrated because they aren't really growing as much as they can grow themselves. And all their attention is on how others can grow. Like they make a project of correcting others and tweaking others' behaviors and criticizing others' behaviors. And I think that does get it deeply backwards. No, so your own problems, 
you know, should become your own projects and uh, other people will have to take care of themselves in that sense. Interesting. Actually, can I ask a follow-up question? I guess yeah. time is not as short as we once thought. Uh, uh-huh. But so not making other people into your projects, can you, I don't know if you have thoughts on how that would apply to a parent and child relationship. Like if they're a parent, okay, I really need to help, you know, Billy get more serious about his studies. So I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Um, I'm going to show him a movie about, you know, some someone who doesn't take their school seriously and they end up in a terrible situation or whatever. So, th- but are you saying that's not the approach that a parent or someone in maybe any t- relationship of authority should take? They, they don't turn their kids or a manager to the employees into projects? I think that in general, what we don't want to do is to be doing all the work of strategizing for anyone else. Yeah, and so now for very young kids, it's going to have to you know change what needs to be changed. You know, but as kids are getting older, uh, you can't just be that every thing that they do is like laid out for them in advance by the parents. And the parents have been applying the parental mind to them, you know, and working out all the steps that they have to go through. You know, it seems to me that instead the parents should work together to see what are the goals that they have for the kids and then how do they help those to be attractive, you know, so that now they can get them on board. And then the parents are there as a resource for strategies and steps that the kids could take to do it, but not, I don't think, imposing it from above, you know, and saying, here are the, you know, the strategies that you're going to use. And so if the kid has a goal, let's say the kid really wants to become great at a sport or great at an instrument or to have more friends, the role of the parent isn't to just tell them step by step, this is what you do. Not only that in the end makes kids more confident, but you can help them brainstorm ways that they could do it. The more it comes from within, the more, because even though you're the parent, the kid also is the one who's living his life or her life and might actually have more of a view on the ground, so to speak, you know, of what they could do differently and what they could start doing. So that you want these this to come as much as possible from them. Because if they don't learn how to strategize their own goals, they're never going to become prudent themselves. And prudence is the foundation for every other growth and ideals. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it seems also like you're creating then a healthy sense of, of freedom and, exactly. and responsibility in their lives. Yeah, there's lots of angles of looking at it that I, I think it's, it, it holds up very well in the end. And I think it's how the, you know, so many, you know, I, I get to see so many great families, uh, you know, and I think that that's like a common element in it is that the kids actually learn to strategize on their own, how to do things. And the parents were a resource, but not a replacement for that process. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, Kevin, this, this has been awesome. Thanks right, so much. Thank you so much. Great questions. All right. We'll be back next week. Well, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to check out OptumWork.com for a set of online tools to help you engage challenge in your life. See you next week.